From the iHeartRadio studios in New York City, come fans of the greatest rock and roll band hailing from Hollywood, California. Dissecting all things Guns N' Roses and anything else distorted. Because you know what the fuck you are! This is Appetite for Distortion. Try it again! And welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion. My name is Brando. Episode 46. I think it's kind of divine intervention because I took out my 46 jersey from my mom's house, uh, Andy Pettit, to, to wear because I still <laughs> fitted my, my, my kids' clothes because they haven't grown since, I don't know, fifth grade. So everything still fits me, Todd. I don't, I don't know what, uh, what it is. Uh, so episode 46 of the AFD show, we'll get to my co-host in just a second, just because I like to start and end everything awkward, uh, kind of like my life. Uh, so I, I, my name is Brando, of course, and I appreciate uh, everyone joining uh, episode 46, and it's been quite a, a ride thus far. And my co-host slash, uh, well, I guess I, I post it in a weird way. Last, my last episode was with Tyler Bryant, and I said the same thing oh, to sure. him. And I said my co-host slash interview, and he's like, we're doing a slash interview? <laughs> uh, maybe I should pick my wording more carefully. My co-host yeah. and interview, uh, that being Todd Kearns. How are you, sir? I'm great. How are you? I'm living the dream. Where are you calling from, first of uh, first and foremost? I'm calling from my house in Las Vegas, Nevada. Okay. How's the, uh, the yeah. weather there? Because it's pouring here in New York City. Um, it's really been warm lately. We actually been spent, I spent most of the winter in Los Angeles, but, uh, I just came home today for a, uh, well, an unrelated, uh, vault experience with Gene Simmons over here in Las Vegas, uh, which is a whole other conversation. Yes. <laughs> I want to ask you about that because we were going to, um, yeah. you know, I appreciate you working around, uh, my, your schedule and my schedule. So, um, we made today work. So yeah, I want to talk to you about, uh, the vault thing coming up, and as I kind of warned you about before our pre-interview, uh, I start every episode with a new segment, and you're going to be my co-host for this part. So chime in whenever you want. You're you're my rock and roll and director, uh, and I call Bring this on. one uh, Shotgun News. Shotgun News. See, Todd, it's going to be that kind of show. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so first, I do want to say uh, thank you to uh, for our last episode, Tyler Bryant, of course. Uh, um, Tyler Bryant and the Shakedown. He was just incredible. I, I can't believe at 26 years old who he's played with, who he's met. You know, in addition, of course, uh, opening for uh, ACDC, Axel DC, and uh, Guns N' Roses, yeah. the primary reasons, but B.B. King and... Uh, he was in a closed qu- uh, quarters recording with Chris Cornell. I mean, it's just I, I yeah. want to hear more stories. And uh, there's something at the end I do want to because there's a Cornell tie uh, now uh, forever in the GNO world. And uh, sad or not, be I want to talk about that a little bit later on. But this is the light news segment. Um, Bring it on. And also uh, the next bit of GNR news, shotgun news. Uh, Adler's appetite is back, and that according to I hear that. Yeah, that according to, of course, uh, Alex Grassi, another former co-host slash, uh, or and guest of mine uh, as well. Totally. So I, oh, he said, Alex said he's going to come on uh, as soon as they announce those dates. And it's going to be a anniversary tour of Appetite for Destruction, which leads to so many different questions. I just did a run of dates with Alex and Dizzy 
doing Dizzy's hooker and, hookers and blow over New Year's over the New Year's Eve kind of hang. Yeah, you're part of good, good um, dudes, good friends. Yeah, because you're uh, now on that episode we spoke to Don Don, Don Jameson as well. So you're kind of part oh. of the hookers and uh, hookers and blow family, which is kind of cool because you never yeah. know who's gonna show up. Yeah. You never know. That's the thing. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I mean, John Kelly from Typo plays drums. I'm a huge Typo nerd, so <laughs> Yo, you, it's been a lot of fun. You got the Peter Steele thing going a little bit. <laughs> a friend of mine once said, you, you, you come off like Peter Steele's little brother, and I go, no, I think I come off like Peter Steele's little sister. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, you know, as I'm looking through photos, you know, the posts on our social media to, you know, get questions for you, which we're going to get into from listeners, and I'm like, he's like, if Ian Asbury and... And uh, and Peter Steele had you know if there was like a third Hanson brother that would be the, the Todd Kearns I like it uh, I love it Marilyn Hanson I think we thought oh I like that oh, it's too good and uh, wrapping up the uh, shotgun news which is you know kind of Adler news which um you know hoping to get more information from Alex when we get to uh, speak to him uh, he's gonna be coming out with a new book which is interesting. Because this is an interesting Alex. concept. Uh, I don't know if you heard about. Have you read his first book, by the way? Or I don't know if you. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big book guy. So whenever my friends kick out books, I have to read them. Okay. So yeah, slashes obviously. And, or do you just read it to see if your name is mentioned? Is that why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See if I have to sue anybody? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> not, I'm not mentioned in Stephen's book. Okay. <laughs> uh, but the, the, this is, I was like, okay, he's, his mom came out with the book. He's already kind of come out with his autobiography. What's next? Is he going to do a you know, Christmas story like McFoley? I don't know. Uh, this <laughs> yeah, one's exactly. going to be called uh, Stephen Adler, The Shit My Friends Remember I Did. <laughs> so, oh, my God. So uh, he said, quote, now that I'm sober, I'm talking to the people, and they're telling me stories, and it's just blank up there. There's nothing there. So I decided to put a book together, a reminder of the stories. So I can't even imagine what that's going to be like. If he, The stuff that oh, he remembers was, is crazy, what he doesn't remember. So good for him. That, that's a, I don't know if I have the stones ever to do that. I don't want to know about the things I, you know, that I mentally repressed. <laughs> I don't wanna... Exactly, yeah. You have so, to ask strangers uh, to sort of piece together your, your, your past. Oh, boy. Hmm. But we're going to piece together your past, Mr. Kearns. I don't know. Oh, God. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it's a, you know, from when I read, or at least, um, you know, you don't have the the TMZ articles out there, you know, I don't know if you, if you <laughs> uh, about your upbringing. And it's very cool. And, you know, and you mentioned, and you got it before in the, the pre-interview, whatever you want to call it, the this right. Guns of Roses web. And I relate it to even my life. You know, uh, and I've mentioned before uh, an ex-girlfriend of mine who's from Ottawa because you're a Canadian. Oh wow! Yeah. And we met through uh, Guns N' Roses back in the days oh. of Live Journal. Uh, but you know, before, sure, yeah, 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 before Facebook and before you, you know, all these things. That's how you found people with common interests. So we liked Axel, and that's how we we connected. Uh, and awesome. her mom is from Saskatchewan. And okay, so, wow. and so are you're from Saskatchewan, correct? That is correct. Okay, born so and raised. There it is. There's the tie. It all makes sense. That's the uh, GNR six degrees of GNR bacon. So um, exactly. I've been to Ottawa. I've been to Quebec. I've been to Montreal. Uh, what's Saskatchewan like? Um, well, it's kind of like the Midwest. You know what I mean? Like I think it's um, yeah for us like me, an American. Like what can I relate it to? I, that's that's tough for me because. It's so much more like I grew up in literally a small town, like 1,500 people, um, no street lights, 
no 7-Eleven, no McDonald's. Um, you know, just everybody knows everybody. Um, where I grew up, it's like, you know, freezing. Like this time of year right now, it makes what you're dealing with out there look, you know, balmy. You know what I mean? Like, sure. it's like It's like gnarly, like the movie Fargo times 10, <laughs> you know, in the winter. And, uh, you know, and, and I, I quickly, you know, as soon as I graduated from high school, it was like I started moving west. You know, it's kind of like uh, it takes a while in Canada to get to, you know, you get to the west coast and, and it's not snowing anymore. But Vancouver, where I lived for about 15 years before I came to the States, it, uh, it's, you know, gray and rainy like Seattle for a good chunk of the year. And then once I made my way south, it was like, oh, damn. Okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, of course, I'd been I'd been touring through the U.S. for years and years and years. So when it finally became like, let's go to the desert, um, it's sort of like hard to hard to look back now when you when you've missed a bunch of winters. It's like, I'm good. Yeah, I, I can't even imagine. That was part of, you know, in addition to all the boring ex-girlfriend stories i'm like i don't know if I, it was only in ottawa i'm like i don't i can't right. deal with that and that's just not what i that's just not for me i've tried actually moving it down south and out west here in the states but uh something about new york keeps bringing me back in maybe it's my my accent oh, i love new york oh sure i love yeah, it i just don't you know the winter sucks i hate it it sucks but you know it's it's funny because you know my when you when you go to canada it's like oh it's really it's colder here than it is here and it's colder here than it is there and i'm like dude it's cold and when it's cold it's cold it doesn't matter if it's like you know like i'm talking like i'm not going outside it's cold you know it's like so it doesn't really matter if it's like you know 20 below or 30 below zero it's kind of like that's just ridiculous to me so i miss it in a funny way my wife and i talk about it all the time because she just went back to uh she's from uh, around toronto okay she just went back to see family and it was cold and and i had this sort of like feeling of like oh wow i kind of miss you know experiencing it i mean at least now we experience the cold it's more of like a swoop in check it out and then get the hell out you know what I mean? yeah i was just about to say because you miss it because you know you can leave Exactly. <laughs> if you were <laughs> if you were deported back to Saskatchewan or whatever, yeah, yeah, who like, knows oh, what Trump oh, is up yeah. to? I mean, maybe you're next. Maybe uh, I might be. You know. <laughs> uh, so I guess we can kind of start there. If you're growing up in a place with no streetlights and it's just horrible outside, oh, uh, what? What? <laughs> obviously, you know, it's hyperbole. Uh, right. What did you like? What kind of kid were you? You know, did you trap yourself inside, live listening to music? Uh, did you play, you know, with moose? Like what? Like what kind of? Sorry, <laughs> I'm a dumb American yeah. who just makes stereotypes. <laughs> the stereotype is always that you know you either played hockey, which of course I did as well. It was the law, you know. You just kind of like, as soon as you could walk, you were on skates. Um, but I think like anybody, you know, sort of, um, you know, music was always around. It might have been a little out of touch because. Um, you know, it was a little remote and a little far from, uh, you know, the mainstream kind of scene. But uh, that doesn't mean that Kiss or, you know, Led Zeppelin and the Beatles and everything, was, you know, obviously it was just all a part of, you know, uh, of, of our life. So, you know, I think like anybody, I you know, I picked up a guitar at about 11 years old and, and then just sort of never put it down, you know, <laughs> until now, you know. 
And I think that that sort of, you know, dictated everything. I think at the time, you're not really considering anything like, I'm going to make this a career or a job or a life. You know, you just kind of, you pick up a guitar and eventually start playing with friends. Um, I started playing with guys who were much older than me. For whatever reason, there were a lot of, you know, guys who played guitar and a lot of guys who played drums and put bands together and stuff like that and in these small towns. And um, I just ended up playing with guys who were, quite a lot older than me and wanted to go on the road. And of course I was still like 15 by the time I was like, you know, in this position. And then, um, you know, the day, uh, you know, my, my parents begged me to finish high school. I was just like one foot out the door ready to go. Mm. And, um, you know, and then as soon as I was out of high school, I was on the road. And that's basically when I left, um, where I grew up. And then I just started making my way. Well, you know, we toured across Canada a thousand times and, into the States. And and that sort of, you know, took us where we, uh, you know, in a, in a very long, uh, it sounds like, you know, and then I moved to the States. It's like, no, that was like 20 years of me traveling and touring and writing and recording and getting record deals and getting dropped from record deals and all that stuff. And then, you know, finding myself down here. Sure. Were your, uh, I mean, I, that's I, I like the the contrast from just one episode to the next because I uh, last, which we mentioned, Tyler Bryant, who it didn't graduate high school. I mean, he did later on took online classes, but he sure. he was like one credit away, and he mm. went to his parents. He's like, I I got to do this now or never. I gotta I gotta move to to Nashville. You, I mean, you were begged yeah. to. So like, were your parents <laughs> were your parents um, supportive, and they just kind of wanted that. That, that backup, or did they believe? I don't want to say, did they believe in you? I'm sure they believed in their little Todd to an extent. <laughs> well, not so little, I guess. I don't know how. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, but, you know, I guess it's sort of a little bit of all of that. But I think parents in general, I think even as a parent now, it's sort of like, you know, I I, I imagine for them, especially living in, in, in rural, small-town Saskatchewan, um the idea of anybody being able to make a, a career for themselves playing music must've seemed like, I don't know, like I'm going to be a superhero or, you know, something like that. It just seemed like mildly ridiculous to them. Sure. Probably not ridiculous is not the right word, just unrealistic. I think, you know, yeah, that makes sense. and um, they've always been supportive of, you know, playing music. But I think that, I think like a lot of people think, well, music is something you, you know, like you do, but um, it's not something you necessarily pursue unless it's, um, I don't know, like classical music and getting some sort of uh, getting into college doing that or whatever. But, um, you know, I had no interest in a secondary education. Job. Yeah, or, you know, go to school and take things like that. Uh, but I never really had any interest in secondary education. My secondary, secondary education was to get in a van and drive around with my friends playing in, you know, places and, and just kind of, you know, cutting your teeth that way. Um, so, you know, it's like I think that they're, you know, just get high school because you know back then i mean now it's you know at least that way if you have high school you can i don't know be a walmart reader or something i don't know i don't know what their (laughs) their thoughts were but i i just figured it was always kind of like you know whatever i mean i was the same as tyler i was like by the time i was about 15 16 i was ready to go i was like in a band we were kicking ass and i was ready to you know take on the world but you know I don't regret it. You know, I don't regret obviously finishing high school. And it's funny because back then a year or two years is all, you know, makes all the difference in the, in the world. But in, you know, now looking back on it, it's like, uh, you know, a year or two years just is, is nothing in the big picture. But 
at the time it was very important. Oh, absolutely. That all makes uh, that makes sense. So when was the decision for you when you're growing up playing, uh, you know, with, you know, guys older than you? Like, what kind of bands were you in? Was it all, you know, Rush cover bands around you? Like, what kind of bands were you in? <laughs> Sorry, I can't. Uh, you know, when we first started, it was like a lot of cover stuff. You know, it was like um, when I was a kid, we would play like high school dances. There was a whole scene of like on you know after Friday after school you would take off and play in another town doing a high school dance and then Saturday night do some sort of party and then come back so we would do weekends when I was still a kid and then um, eventually we um, once we started moving into the club world that was a lot of uh, in where I grew up it was like mostly a cover scene but you could play like six nights a week um, just traveling around the country playing music so for me it was like I always refer to it as like the Hamburg years, like when the Beatles went to Hamburg. Sure. Did lots of pills and stayed up and played like five, six sets a night. Jeez. It's kind of like that, you know, where you're just playing and playing and playing and you're becoming, you know, uh, building that 10,000 hours kind of thing. And uh, for me, it was just largely, um, like to this day, I'm more comfortable on stage than I am in real life, you know, because it's like, you know, I, I can just step on stage and entertain because I've been doing it since I was, you know, a kid. And, um, I think that that, you know, uh, if anything, I think that the biggest lesson I learned was just being on stage as well as, you know, I mean, obviously the, you know, w- within that framework, we started to kind of create our own music and that sort of shifted everything to a, to another direction where playing our own music became the focus. And that, that happened very fast. Like once I was sort of like, um, we put a, put together a band with my brother called the age of electric. We had a deal up in Canada. We a gold record in Canada and we did, you know, we did really well for, um, our little scene up here before I moved to the United States. But, um, so, you know, we, we, you know, we went from being like a bunch of kids, you know, just getting out on the road and playing and, and act, act the fool just because it's great to kind of get out and play music every day. And then you kind of become refined and more serious about how we should do this. There was no framework in mind, like in Hollywood back in the day where it was like, you go and play shows, you build an audience, then the record companies come and you get signed. There was no such plan in place at all for us. It was just kind of like a bunch of assholes just driving around the country playing rock and roll. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes, and usually that is kind of the best way. So did your brother yeah. have the, the same vision? Or a lack thereof, I guess, or just like let's just you know have <laughs> let's just have fun and just see where this goes. You know, we're having too good of a time. I, well, I was the older brother, so I think a lot of it was sort of like he sort of fell into playing, um, you know, playing as well, and then just sort of you know when you start putting bands together, it's just kind of like well, you know, your brother is sort of like just part of the equation. You know sure. what I mean? And. and uh, He's a much better player than I am in, in many ways. Um, but I suppose in a lot of ways, I was kind of more the the sort of vision guy. You know, the, I, I, you know, hesitate to use words like visionary, but I think I had an idea of what I what I wanted to do or how we could actually, like, you know, do this kind of thing, you know. And, um, you know, by, the, by that point, um, you know, really starting to focus on, on being a real band, you know, not just kind of like, let's go play shows just to play shows, but more like um, writing and recording and, and all that stuff that goes along with the whole DIY, um, you know, doing it yourself, punk rock attitude. Um, uh, but, you know, I think that, you know, you learn a lot from those days, you know, um, just kind of like uh, when no one cares, you know, <laughs> you're kind of like, 
it's like no one is going to give you the time of day. So you kind of have to uh, just get out there and slug it out. And we slugged it out for a long time. Yeah, you, you kind of have to figure it out by yourself. I mean, it's not like there's a, a rule book or there's a way of how to do it. You kind of just find your, not at all. your own way of doing it. And that's cool that you got your brother there to, to, you know, to experience that with you. I mean, a lot of people, oh, you know, most do it yeah. by themselves, and that can be, you know, scary. So it's a nice little backup to have family there. Over 2015, and uh, from 2015 to 2017, um, basically, my brother and I, we did the reunion show of that band. We hadn't played together in like 17 years by 2015. So to, when World on Fire with Slash Tour was sort of winding down, we did a one-off show in Canada. Um with the age of electric and it turned into a, you know, we re-released our 20, uh, an album that had uh, come out back in 97 as a 20th anniversary package. We re- recorded five new songs for an EP. We went on the road, went across Canada, you know, it was like a, it was a really awesome thing to do. Cause when a band splits up and everybody goes off in other directions and has a whole other life, um, as we most certainly did. And m- myself, especially cause I actually left the country um, it was nice to kind of get back together while, you know, Miles is doing Alter Bridge and Slash is doing Guns N' Roses. It was kind of like, you know, I just sort of had this opportunity come up where it was like, well, now you can go back. And <laughs> me and Slash have laughed about the the weird parallels of us going back in time and in, in the last couple of years, sure. of, you know, him doing his thing and then me doing my thing. It was sort of, uh, it was very um, therapeutic, I suppose, to some degree. Because bands, yeah. bands never really end well. You know, it's like, uh, you know, they're, they're not usually. So it was. it's good to get on the same on the same stage together and go, hey, we did this. This is great. And then, and then uh, you know, and then you can sort of put it behind you. By 2019 will be the 30th anniversary of that band. Like from, you know, we first started playing shows in 89, which is crazy to consider. But um, now I we're kind of like. Not to, you know, make you feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I know. Right. Like it's nuts to think about. So we, um, we, you know, we will probably try and do something next year, just whether it's a one-off or anything, just as a 30th anniversary fun party would be great. That's awesome. And I, I speak yeah. for uh, many listeners because when I put out there for questions, what because uh, we're going to get into, especially uh, we got a celebrity question. Um, that interesting. Yes, yeah, so we that you know we people were asking about Age of Electric, you know, and they want to hear uh-huh. more about that band. Which is just, that well, must be nice. again right? That must be so nice, you know, because you you even you were so humble about it, just explaining it at the beginning. Yeah, we got a gold record, yeah, whatever. And you just, <laughs> kind of just went over it, and it was and it's cool again with you know play with your brother and the the slash parallel. That's awesome. So uh, that that question that that helps out Spoon. I'm sure that's not his real name on my my GNR forum, but he did ask <laughs> in addition to you know wanting to hear more about Age of Electric and the 30th uh, year anniversary is awesome. Did you ever sound check um, any age with with Slash or, or Miles? <laughs> yeah, that's that. Those are questions. Um, I guess. No, not really. That would be so weird. Like <laughs> they're not even really kind of like largely aware of it. I didn't I mean, think so, like, but I guess I want to do my due diligence, due diligence, and say, hey, I listened to your questions. So a crazy story though is back in about ninety one, ninety two. The Age of Electric did a. A couple dates in Los Angeles on the Sunset Strip. We did a a Friday night at the Whiskey A Go Go and a Saturday night at the Roxy. Um, and we had sort of like 
you know, relocated to Los Angeles for a stretch because we were doing this whole big kind of push of trying to get, you know, like the usual thing. You're trying to, we're doing a couple shows, we're doing, you treating them as showcase dates to try and get record labels out, blah, 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 the usual nonsense, you know. And back then, you know, the carryover of the 80s Sunset Strip was still alive and well. Um, and it was, you know, you'd go to the Rainbow every night by the end of the night and, and there'd be everybody in there, you know, like uh, all the members of, from the pages of Metal Edge magazine, you know, just mm. everybody was there. Lemmy was always there. and um, But, I mean, we sat there in that back booth, uh, the very back one against the wall that you see in, like, the November Rain video. And it was just me and my band um, just sitting there, I think a couple of our crew guys. And Slash was in the corner uh, right next to us, corner booth. And he got up. I've told him this story a thousand times. It's so funny because he, he gets up and he sits down with us. He goes, hey, who are you guys? And we're kind of like, you know, at the time, uh, Use Your Illusion hadn't been released yet. So that probably is a good indication of when it, uh, what year it was. Because we watched them film the scene with Arnold Schwarzenegger that's tagged on at the end of You Could Be Mine, the You Could Be Mine video. Um, But anyway, it was like, you know, these guys were the biggest band on the planet. And Slash was the most visible of, in many ways, of, of all of them next to Axel. And he just sort of sat down with us like these jackasses from Saskatchewan, Canada. <laughs> and he just sort of like, hey, how's it going? And he's smoking, lighting everybody's cigarettes and just being like, and we're like, oh, he's like the mayor of the Sunset Strip <laughs> or something. He's like, he was like the coolest guy, you know. Did, did Slash have a sash if he was the mayor? <laughs> mayor! Sorry, I had to. Well, he had, yeah, now that would be impressive. <laughs> but it was, you know, and then you, and you flash forward like, oh, geez, I mean... I'm trying to think 20 years or whatever it was. And then we ended up in, you know, playing together. But at the time it was sort of like, wow, what a cool guy. And, mm. uh, you know, but, um, he has no recollection of that. He was, uh, you know, like, uh, elegantly wasted to some degree, you know, he was <laughs> having a good time. Well, that not means that guy anymore. None now, of us are. In, in the same vein of Steven Adler's new book. Now you can contribute to, if Slash has a second book, you know, the shit my, you go. my friends remember I did Slash's <laughs> version. <laughs> Uh, All he ever says to me when I when I first told him that story was he just said, "Well, was I nice?" And I go, "Yeah, you're right." <laughs> you know, he has no recollection of. I mean, he wasn't drooling or anything like that. He was just definitely having a good time. No, I, I got you. I got you. Uh, maybe a little yeah. glass-eyed. So, how did we get, get from? How did you get from that point? You know, you, you, you mentioned, you know, with your bands, whether it be with your brother or not, you had done so many, so much touring uh, already. Yeah. Uh, you know, and going back, and not even just in Canada, of course, and going before you moved to the States. So, and, and, and stop me if I'm missing important steps. So, when did you go to LA and, and meet all these people? Like, when was, I guess, that domino effect to, you know, having Slash randomly just hang out with you to actually working with him, you know, all these years later? Or am I missing something? Well, I mean, that? The Age of Electric was a funny band because we had the audacity to just go, we're going to go to LA or we're going to go to New York and we're going to do these crazy things that, you know, um, to just, you know, try and advance our career, you know, and just sort of do these things. So in a funny way, I've been coming, you know, been in the States for years. We eventually signed with uh, Mercury Records out of New York and uh, we had management out of New York. So, I mean, we were in New York all the time. And, and, um, by this point, we re- relocated to Vancouver, Canada, which is, like I said, is on the West Coast. Um, Bob Rock, the producer, had done the Black Album for Metallica and Dr. Feelgood for Motley. And 
and he sort of took us under his wing. And so we moved out to Vancouver to work with him. And, and, um, you know, we just, uh, you know, it was just a constant sort of, um, dipping into the States. And we, we really kind of wanted to, uh, keep an eye on the international sense of it. Um, you know, the States, the Europe, uh, Asia, South America, you know, whatever we could do. Uh, unfortunately, the band never lasted long enough to really capitalize on any of it. Uh, we just sort of imploded, as a lot of bands do. And by that point, I sort of, um, my brother and I did another project, uh, which we all really loved, but it just kind of is a weird, you know, so when the downloading and all that started to happen, that's when shit got really crazy. Mm-hmm. Because it's sort of like, then you had to really kind of reevaluate because, you know, we'd sort of been on this, in a weird way, we had sort of lived in a in a record company mentality for a minute. So how do you do this without the support of, you know, of a company and blah, 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 blah. And I kind of did a solo record, which, you know, still gets a lot of love. And I started producing bands. My intention was, well, then I'll produce bands. I can stay. I have a family now and I can stay home and I could be off the road. But then I found myself in a studio for 23 hours a day, you know, I was kind of, so I may as well have been on the road, you know, it's so like, mm. and I didn't find the production aspect as rewarding as the artist side of being a musician. I always loved the studio and I always love working with other artists, but I don't think I was really ready to kind of like let go of my own thing and sort of be a part of somebody else's story. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Felt like I still had a lot to do you know, a lot for myself to do. So long story short, I just kind of had friends that uh, had relocated to Las Vegas who I, um, and they kept hounding me to come down. They were working on a new project and, and I was like, I'll come down and check it out. You know, and I came down and, and, uh, and I uh, hooked up with Brent Muscat from faster pussycat is still a really good friend of mine. And he, uh, put together this version of faster pussycat to go to Europe. And I was like, and he asked me to play guitar, and I was like, well, I've never been to Europe. That'd be great. So in a funny way, that sort of cemented my my stay in Las Vegas. Um, we went to Europe, and we did a big thing, and and Brent and I both decided when we got back to Vegas, we'd try and put together a, uh, a sort of pseudo-residency in Las Vegas, which was very common in Las Vegas to do. Every Thursday night, go see this, you know. Sure. So we put, we put together a band. Um, we called it the Sin City Sinners. And um, we just played every Tuesday night. We had George Lynch come up and play from Dawkin or Sylvain Sylvain from the New York Dolls or Cheetah Chrome from the Dead Boys or you know, basically anybody you could think of. Slim Jim Phantom from the, the Stray Cats, you know, just almost anybody we could think of. There was just this turn into this constant jam session and it became popular enough that we started playing showrooms in Las Vegas. What started as a as a literal dive bar band um just sort of somehow became embraced by a really sort of mainstream Las Vegas thing. So we're suddenly playing showrooms in Las Vegas. And at this point, like I'd lived my whole life on the road for, you know, I was a grown ass man at this point. Hmm. And um, suddenly it was like doing residency stuff around Vegas and just sort of like, I started to have this weird, like for the first time in my life, you know, in a weird way, just kind of like I live in a house and, and, you know, roll the garbage cans out hmm. on garbage day and and but i still you know play rock and roll but i just happen to you know have a normal life to some degree and that was you know and that was oddly i was very much ready to be like well that's this is it this is a great little sort of like he rides off into the sunset having you know being the king of las vegas playing around town 
Nothing wrong with that. And then nothing wrong with it. I, I had the time in my life. Honestly, it was like we, we were really, we had a blast and we really did well with it. And then I got the call for Slash, and that changed everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's sort of like, you know, well, everything was perfectly fine here. I had like, you know, you know, I was doing really well, and, and then, you know, I really, made a really good living out here. And then um, I was buying a house. Um, you know, I was being a grown-up all of a sudden, like having to do things like that. And um, I was in the middle of like, you know, closing on a house, and Brent Fitz, the drummer for Slash, just – randomly called and said, could you be in North, North Hollywood um, tomorrow at noon? And I was like, yeah, why? What's up? You know, I was come jam with slash. That's basically all it was. It was never like a tryout. It was kind of like, just come jam. I was under the impression at that point that they'd already had a lineup together. Um, Cause Fitz joined uh, slash and he had uh, players together. Miles Kennedy was involved. And I was like, that's awesome. You know, like good for you. And then when he called me, I was like, okay, I'll come check it out. And then, you know, long story short, it just sort of all became, you know, that's the way it's been ever for the last almost eight years now. Yeah. So what was going through your mind? You know, you were totally cool with the lack of a better analogy being like kind of the Wayne rock and roll Newton and doing your own thing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then you get this random call from fellow Canadian, right? Yes. Yeah, I've known Fitz for like 20, 25 right. years, 25 so, years from now. I, I guess love, you know, I joke, but I don't know why in my life I've dated so many Canadian women. I like Canada. Um, <laughs> uh, so what was going through your mind then when you got that random call and it wasn't, you know, hey, try out just a jam session? You know, what what did your well, what tricks did your mind play in you saying, you know, is this an opportunity? This is just a chance to meet somebody that, you know, I saw all these years ago. Uh, so what was going through your mind at that point, at that, um, that moment in time? Um, well, the funny thing was, it's like, you know, I mean, like the, the whole thing I'd been doing in Las Vegas was um, a straight up sort of jam band kind of thing. Like and that, a Camp that, Freddy? Really... Like a, is it like a Camp Freddy kind yeah, of thing? Yeah, it was definitely like a Camp Freddy um, sort of thing. And we just sort of would have like, this person's going to come play. We got like, cool, let's learn you know, Phil Lewis is coming to jam. Let's learn some LA gun songs. You know, we would play like a full, you know, little mini set of, of stuff to play with, with these people. Um, so the idea of jam with slash was like, yeah, that sounds like fun. You know, I'm like, you know, cause I, I was, you know, I was playing guitar and singing and playing bass, playing basically the best thing about being in Vegas for me was it really sort of opened up a whole other side of myself again to be kind of like multi-instrumentalist. And, um, you know, it's like, come play bass. And I was like, hell yeah. And I literally threw my stuff in the, in the car and, and drove to, uh, North Hollywood. And, and I didn't go over any music. I didn't really even listen to anything. I just sort of know what I know, you know, it's like, which is a lot, frankly, right. You know, I, I could play guns and roses songs all day long. So, you know, it's like when someone says, you know, we're going to jam with Lemmy. It's like, I jam with Lemmy several times, you know, in my life. And, uh, um, and it was, you know, Never was it not like incredibly awesome to be doing that. So when when someone says come jam with Slash, I go well, hell yeah, let's do this, you know. So in my mind, I wasn't naive enough to think like you know. After I got the phone, I was kind of like, well, what does that mean? Come jam with Slash. Of course, there was a part of me that was like, well, there must be something more to this than than what's right. being said to me. 
Um, but yeah, we just, you know, I just came down there and jammed. I think we, I, I, I only, I only ever remember playing like night train and something else. And then it was kind of like, next thing I knew we were like in talks about like, you know, we got to be on Jay Leno next week and hmm. all this kind of stuff. I was like, Whoa, what the hell's going on? Cause like I said, I had a whole other life in Las Vegas. I had a whole other, you know, career in Las Vegas. So I had to kind of put all that on pause while I went and did this other this other thing. And uh, we didn't know, we didn't know if Slash was going to be, I don't know, like a couple of months of flying out on weekends and doing just appearances to support the solo album he had done with all those multiple singers, mm-hmm. including, including miles. And then, um, and then it would just be like kind of put to bed and I'd go back to Las Vegas and get on with it. But it went on for well, six years until we took our, our little break. And it's, it'll be eight years in April that since we started doing that. Then what was the, the conversation was there a conversation if you when you knew you were officially part of this this new you know gang that that Slash has got uh, had gotten together when did you when did you have like an official conversation or it kind of just organically happened playing shows I don't remember any full conversation I mean I, there was definitely had to be a you know conversation with management about you know getting you know uh, I don't know, just getting yeah, that I mean, all together. Like the, 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 not even counting like the contract lawyer bullshit. I mean, just like yeah. Slash is just like, hey, man, you know, now that I remember who you are, uh, you know, you. I'm sure he doesn't talk like that. He doesn't sound like a 30-year-old Jew. <laughs> uh, so, but when was the conversation, like, any, oh, yeah, were you just along for the ride, I guess? Or was there any sort of, I you think know, hey, was, the you know, I don't recall any conversation about like, okay, so this is going to be your life for the next you know, 18 to 24 months, you know, at the time, like the first record we toured for probably almost two years. Um, it's just sort of, you know, we're going to see what happens and off we go. And how did you plan? And, That's what you were saying. You had this double life and you you had just bought a house. So, you know, and I've been in that yeah. situation, I mean, not your situation, but a much lower level when you have, you know, maybe different jobs available to you and, you know, hey, right. what do I do with this job now and I have this other opportunity and the other opportunity is you know they'll say hey you're gonna start uh you know March 5th and they kiss oh it's been an HR problem well you know we're gonna start next month and you're like well what about my other job they need a two-week notice so it's like kind of the same thing in a very yeah minuscule level well, it, was, it was it was jarring you know because I had like my whole life in Vegas and I, I hated having to leave everybody high and dry in any way shape or form so um, but I was, you know, anytime I wasn't doing slash, I would just come back to Vegas and do this. Um, and I was sort of double dutying for, for, for a few years, actually, for a couple of years, two, three years, I, I sort of did both until, until the slash world just basically was so all encompassing that it was just, you know, I had no life at all. Um, other than, you know, playing music, which is, you know, the best kind of life to have, but, um, it just sort of became, uh, you know, slowly evident that uh, this Slash guy that I, you know, you know, gotten to know just doesn't slow down. Like, he's just, there's no such thing as, like, if he can stay on the road or stay in a studio. If he's not on the road, he's in a studio. You know what I mean? Like, he just kind of wants to be constantly working. So I learned that pretty quickly because it was just sort of like we were out on the road through 2010, through ta- 2011. And then out of nowhere, just standing backstage one day, he goes, uh, so uh, I think we're going to make a record with the band. And I go, like us? <laughs> 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 and he goes, he goes, yeah. And I go, oh, cool. You know, like, you know, so then we went in in 2012 and did 
apocalyptic love. And then, and that took, you know, that was like two years on the road. And then, um, 2014, we put out world on fire and went back on the road till 2016. So yeah, it's like, you know, he just, he's a machine. Honestly, it's like, there's, it's, it's one of the most impressive things to me to this day. You know, I, I see him all the time. It's, you know, he's always got something going on. He's always got a guitar in his hands. He's always trying to, uh, I, I always kind of find it, you know, like in saying being around someone like Gene Simmons or, or whoever, where it's like, where money really isn't even a factor anymore. Like, so what, what really is the motivation to keep going? You know, mm-hmm. um, I guess it's just music. You know I mean? I guess you just, this is what I do and I love doing this and that's what I'm going to do. And I look at guys like Slash and I find it quite inspiring because I don't know. I don't know if I have that, if I have that gene or not, if it was like, I had a gazillion dollars I don't know if I would be like I'm good you know <laughs> it's like kind of just check out into you know Howard Hughes land and just kind of mm-hmm. hide in my house or if I would actually I'm not obviously I think I would keep playing music because I love it so much but I guess it depends I the... another parallel to another uh, uh, conversation we had on this podcast with uh, Christopher Thorne from Blind Melon and oh, yeah. when he decide when when they found uh Travis their their new lead singer uh several years ago right. and they, and they wanted to be blind melon again do shows uh you know we were talking about how people just thought it was a money grab for him and and he actually right. took five times less money than what he was doing in in producing and and so sure. he's like this is just this is my band this is my, these are these are songs I didn't get to play because uh, you know Shannon passed away you know and he just does it for the love of it. I mean, he has money. I mean, he doesn't have Slash money. He doesn't have Gene Simmons money. Right. But he has money. So I would like to exactly. think, you know, especially someone like you, uh, who's been playing, you know, who's been on the the grind. You know, it's not like you all of a sudden yeah. were picked up by Slash when you were 15. You've been on the grind. I would like <laughs> to think you have that kind of DNA, that Gene, right. uh, pun intended, I guess, with it being Gene Simmons, uh, to be the same right. way. Uh, so that is that is fascinating, and that is cool that you're kind of just like, yeah, the band? You mean us? And you end up making yeah. great records. I mean, I didn't know what to, like, all of us GNR fans, before they they got back together, you know, of course, we're paying attention to the Chinese democracy, we're paying attention to what Slash sure. is doing. I was too, you know, I mean, like, I was part of the same program. I was like, you know, I'm like, hey, uh, you know, Slash has a Snake Pit record out, great. There was a Chinese democracy, great. You know, like, I was like, kind of invested in all of it, so yeah. It's weird to consider, like you know, that you know, in in this conversation right now, that somehow apocalyptic love and 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 world on fire falls into this same chapter of like the other stuff that these guys do. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and it it just makes you think. And you mentioned the you know Snake Pit, and we had Rod Jackson on. Uh, yeah. As far as you know, some I know it wasn't the second Snake Pit record, but some of them were meant for you know Guns N' Roses songs. So you don't you know sometimes I visualize. Imagine that they would uh, yeah. Imagine just, yeah, they, these could Actual also be Guns N' Roses songs as well. And the same thing in Chinese. I'm like, this could be, yes, it's Bucket, you know, maybe this could be Slash's parts. Um, but, right. But taking a few steps back since, you know, you, you're also a fan, and that's what this is. We're all just fans. Uh, mm-hmm. When was the first time you saw Guns N' Roses? Or did you did you see the original band ever? I never saw the original band, honestly. Okay. By the time Guns N' Roses was around, um, you know, I was young, but, uh, I was playing in bands and playing all the time. I never saw a lot of shows, you know, a lot of friends will say to me, you didn't see that show, this key show from our youth. And I'll go like, no, dude, I was playing that night, you know? So I was like, so I was constantly playing shows, okay. um, six, seven nights a week. So 
I missed everything. I never saw Aerosmith for years. I never saw Alice Cooper for years. You know, so all these key bands that all my friends had, had seen, I kind of had missed. <clears throat> I mean, I saw a lot in my teens, obviously, and a lot when I, in my youth. But once I became a working musician, I was always working. I sort of missed a lot of stuff. And it's not like, you know, oh, I'll just see Guns N' Roses next time they come back. You know, it's like they, you know, Guns N' Roses came to our neck of the woods once and then vanished for two years and then came back and then that was it. You know what I mean? Oh, sure, especially. Like and the the, the window of time that Guns was actually around is not that long. I mean, the original Guns. Like, oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, my yeah. consciousness of rock was they are, had already broken up and I think Snack, uh, Snake Pit had already... We said Snack Pit. I, that's, that's a new band of mine. <laughs> I'm going to start that. Yeah, you uh, it's a restaurant you should open. I should. Uh, Snake Pit was, was around and Chinese democracy was still just a myth. So all I had right. were uh, the videos and you know, the, the perhaps chance to see them. But you'll appreciate this, though. Totally. Uh, years ago when they when it was still what Dee Snyder says, Rose and Roses, when they were touring with, I think it was with Bumble and, and Robin, not with Robin Finko, with Bumble and... Uh, DJ? Uh, was the DJ in the band yet? No, uh, I don't think he was. Yeah, it might have been DJ at this time. Because I, I saw that version a few times and there had been lineup changes each, each time. But um, I, my Canadian ex-girlfriend, uh, she, you know, she's from Ottawa, and the first time they came around, she had to drive to Toronto, which is four hours, because they wouldn't go near her, you know. But, right. But yeah. not in this lifetime, they had an Ottawa date. But you know, sometimes yeah. you got it's it is, and that was honestly a lot of questions we got for you, uh, as far as and we can kind of se uh, segue that in the uh, you know putting peppering uh, our conversation with questions. Uh, sure. As far as are you going to do any solo dates? And uh, we're getting questions as far as uh, the U.S., uh, Hungary, because uh, not everybody. I'm, I'm lucky being in New York and living on Long Island. Yeah. You know, I get everybody. But totally. if, if you're Absolutely. in these small towns, you know, and what I hear, you know, fans seem to be more appreciative because you go out of your way to see them. And it's again, it's not a New York City. It's not, you know, again, a Long Island is still a major market. So I've never had a problem uh, having seeing somebody. No, not at all. I mean, well, for me, it's like uh, you know, the Slash thing really opened up a whole other world for us. Like I say, it's, it's funny to imagine now having not done Slash and just stayed in Vegas. I would have been perfectly happy. I was content as could be. But it, it's so funny how the Slash thing really opened up a whole other world. Um, you know, so now it's like uh, the last show I did was I played the Viper Room in Los Angeles for my birthday in December. You know, and people come from all over the world to this thing. There's Japanese people there. You know, so, you know, so I, I'm like, and I part of me wants to go. What are you doing here? You know, you you came all the way for this. You know, and I really appreciate it. But it, you know, it's sort of like, uh, it, it's 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 really kind of opened up this whole other world of 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 uh, just people come from all over the place because of this connection to this 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 much bigger thing. And um, you know, so something like Europe, I, I've always intended to go over there as you know do the solo show over there. Um, a lot of it's always scheduling. Like I, I'm crazy busy all the time. Like I suppose everybody is, but I've always got something going on. And, um, um, over the, you know, we, Brent Fitz from Slash's band and I both played with the, uh, with Bruce Kulik from Kiss, uh, the non makeup years of Kiss and his brother, Bob Kulik, who did a bunch of session work with Kiss. Mm -hmm. So we did a thing on the Kiss Cruise, and that thing has turned into a whole other thing now. We're doing a thing called Kiss Indie in Indianapolis in May, and it's just, it's, you know, all these other things sort of pop up, and I kind of like, always got like a lot of things kind of on the go, and, and keep it kind of fun and interesting, so I'm 
these things sort of keep me, uh, you know, largely kind of in the States right now. But um, as far as getting to Europe or, you know, these different places people ask to go to, I trust me, I, if I could, I'd, I'd go everywhere anytime I could. But it's cool still I hearing wouldn't... that, like you said. I mean, yeah, of course, scheduling, that's the name of the game now. Yeah. You know, even for Absolutely. us, just for today. Uh, but totally. it, it's cool. And that's this is a great segue into the questions in literally all over the world that I'm getting now. And I'm kind of blown away in a much lesser extent of this thing that I'm not, you know, this isn't an official GNR podcast. It's just a silly little thing that I'm doing, but being connected to this larger thing. Um, so that was part of the question from young Swedish vinyl. I guess he's obviously from Sweden, uh, from wow. my, from my GNR. He wanted to know how it was playing with the Kulik brothers on the Kiss Cruise. How it was playing with them? Oh, it was amazing. We've known Bruce for years. Brent Fitz played in, um, after Bruce Kulik, uh, left Kiss, he and John Karabi, who was in Motley Crue for a minute, yeah. they put together a band called Union and Brent Fitz played drums for it. Um, so, you know, I've known Bruce through, through, uh, Brent for years and, uh, back in around 2010, Bruce was releasing a solo album and he had myself and Brent, I think Fitz played on the record. Yeah, I'm sure Fitz played on the record. I never played on the record, but we did a a CD release party and I sang and played guitar. Um, and we did like a ton of the kiss music from the era that he was in eighties and nineties. And, uh, uh, oddly enough, it was filmed for an episode of Gene Simmons, family jewels. Nick Simmons got up and sang with us and Gene was there and Eric Singer and Tommy Thayer. So it was a whole thing. Chad and Tweed and Sophie, Sophie, their uh, daughter was there. Um, so, you know, I've sort of been, in this camp for a long time, obviously like within like a month, maybe we were both in Slash's band. It seems like it was like very quickly. We were, we were it, that all kind of spun into being in Slash's band. Mm. Um, but of course I've known, I've gotten to know Bob over the years too. And um, Bob Kulik. So when all this kind of came up, this, this, this kiss cruise thing, I was like, yeah, it sounds like fun. Just get the two Kulik brothers and we'll play stuff from the, the music that Bob played on. We'll do a bunch of stuff that Bruce played on and, and uh, it was really, um, you know, when you're playing a show, sometimes you have no concept of how it's going over. You're just kind of playing and you're hoping, uh, what are the words to the song? You know, or, <laughs> how does this, does this go to the sea here? You know, just trying to do your thing. And when I walked off stage and I was kind of like, that was a lot of fun, man. I really enjoyed that. The crowd was singing along. We had a blast. And, and the next thing I knew, it was just this huge, like, online, you know, people were just raving about, you know, this thing. And I think a lot of it's because a lot of that material doesn't get played live anymore because Kiss is a, you know, is a much larger entity in, in, you know, in terms of like they cover such a larger gamut of, of, uh, of key songs within the Kiss catalog. And with Bruce, it was a lot more, and Bob too, it was a lot more, you know, deep cuts and, uh, for the hardcore fan kind of, kind of audience. And, uh, yeah, so it was really well received and really went over really well. We're doing it again, like I say, in uh, cool. in May, May twelfth, thirteenth, in Indianapolis. What's the the Gene Simmons thing that you got later today? Uh, the vault thing. Well, he's got this vault. Uh, and I, by the way, I say today because I guess it's a podcast, but it's a. I try to be in real time, so it's a Sunday, right. uh, The eleventh of February. That's right. Yeah, he uh, 
he's in Las Vegas doing this thing over at the Rio, um, which is the uh, where the uh, Kiss Mini Golf is. And, uh, you know, he's released this vault, which is some crazy thing with a lot of music and book. And, and a book and a bunch of stuff in it and uh, it's, it's the Gene Simmons money. vault it's a lot of and money it's a lot of money apparently <laughs> I don't really know exactly <laughs> but he's doing some sort of uh, something with it today and Brent Fitz is going to play drums and it's like let's go you can jam and I'm like what is this what's going on which is, seems to be a large whenever you hang around with Brent Fitz a lot of your life is what's happening What? what? <laughs> someone puts a guitar in your hands and you're like oh okay here we go so I'm not really entirely sure what exactly it is but it's but Gene's doing his uh you know his 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 vault thing, and and I'm just tagging along to kind of uh, to to check it out. It should be pretty fun. Awesome. Uh, so next question, I want to get to, and this is the celebrity question. Before we get to our our listeners, I was a little <laughs> uh, surprised. Um, someone named uh, Chris Jericho. Stupid idiot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he. Well, I I'm glad I tagged him because you know doing research on you. Uh, that you yeah. once had a a cover band with Jericho, yeah. right? There was a Canadian yeah. cover band called uh, Coverboy. You cover just Boy. made the list! And so, <laughs> so what was it like? Did you sing about hockey and moose or Rush cover band? Like, well, tell me about that. I love it. I mean, I, I'm such a huge wrestling fan in Jericho and fan of Canadians also. So I want to hear more about this. Uh, oh, his question, though. Before that, uh, he goes, I guess got distracted. Uh, Chris Jericho goes, Dear Mr. Kearns, we all know that the world of Oz is a very funny place, but what are the Shreves <laughs> paved with? So that's the question from Chris Jericho. Stupid idiot! <laughs> <laughs> the streets are paved with gold. Everybody knows that. Yes, I know. Uh, so that's, <laughs> you can see the tweet. He really retweeted it. It's amazing. I know. That's what actually, like, uh, he's referencing a, a, a cartoon that used to play uh, in it was a Canadian cartoon. Uh, it was called The Land of Oz. It was basically The Wizard of Oz in, in animated form. That we all kind of uh, we did a podcast with him one time, and it was uh, we've done two actually. One was about Canadian music. One was about ca- Canadian television. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so because he grew up in Winnipeg, which is the province over from where I grew up, okay. and uh, so he's a really good friend and an amazing guy and an amazing talent and all those things. Uh, but yeah, we. Um, he and Brent Fitz did a thing um, called Coverboy, and I played in it too. And it was, you know, it was largely just kind of like playing all Canadian music. And it was sort of like everything from Loverboy to Rush to I don't know. Avril Bieber. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> we, haven't, uh, we haven't gone that far. Okay, with, okay. Uh, you know, most mostly the classic stuff: April Wine, uh, Chilliwack. I don't know if you know any of that stuff, but uh, I mean, Brent Wine. Fitz and I. Brent Fitz and I have a uh, have sort of spun that project into this new thing called Took, which is uh, you can find it on Spotify or or Apple uh, or iTunes, whatever. But it's uh, it's basically the same concept, but we just sort of started to record music with uh, the guitar player Corey Churko, who's from um, Shania Twain's band. He played in Kelly Clarkson as well. He's Canadian as well, but he lives in the states. So a bunch of us Canadians down there just started kind of recording music. Um, again, Loverboy, uh, the list goes on, and did an entire record called Giver, and it's uh, we call the band Took, which is a is a basically a beanie, 
uh, ski cap, wool cap kind of thing in okay. Canada. Toque is a very common thing. But anyway, you can find it on there. It's, it's a good time. That's so cool. it's just basically, it's a lot of like expatriates. You always see British people down here being way more British than they would if they were living in England. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that's kind of what it's like. Overcompensating. Yeah. It's kind of like being Canadian living in the States. I go to my friends' houses and it's just all Canadian music. And I go, dude, you know, they just kind of like always kind of. Yeah, my ex was like that. Whenever she would visit, she just got more Canadian. I'm like, relax. Like, <laughs> I didn't go up, you know, I guess maybe when I went up there, it might be more New York, Tony Danza, but I'm not, I don't. I don't right. It's not a conscious decision, I guess. That's so weird. Uh, next question, which is comes from uh, my, one of my, my buddies, uh, Tomislav from Croatia. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, he's going to be, in addition to interviewing rock stars just like you, I, I, I had one interview with a fan from Ireland, and I want to do more. Uh, That's great. Because he, he fought in the war and used to you know, kill people while listening to Appetite for Destruction. Jeez. So, I mean, i, I got to hear a story, wow. Thomas Love. It'll happen. Uh, so he wants to know great. what show <laughs> you did with Slash and Miles Kennedy that has something you remember. Oh, it's funny because I remember. If there's a there's a weird sort of parallel where you remember everything and don't remember anything. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, uh, like when people talk to me about like you know, wow, you've been to you know, Belarus and Beirut and you know, you know Mumbai, and you're like, and I go, most of my memories are the shows. You know, I don't really remember a whole lot of like, because I'm kind of that way. You know, I'm, I'm like to me, it's like playing the music is the most important part of everything. So, you know going to these places and seeing amazing things, seeing the Colosseum in Rome and all that is, it's amazing. You know, it's the, going to the Louvre in Paris is wow. You know, but to me, it's always the most important thing ever is the two hours I'm on stage with, with the guys, you know, I do remember Mumbai in India very, very, uh, you know, very well. I remember playing Wembley in in England, the download festivals in England, those kind of things are all those things you grew up with, you know, like Castle Donington, uh, you know, the Wembley Arena, those kind of things are all these sort of key things that really stick out to me. Oddly enough, playing like things like the Roxy with Slash, playing the Troubadour, we did a, a run of Sunset Strip shows, the Whiskey Go-Go, just to promote um, World on Fire uh, when it came out. Those were really key shows. Uh, we've done some amazing shows in Paris. All the, all the shows in South America are insane. You can never forget those. It's hard for me to really kind of pinpoint. I, I kind of remember everything. I, I, you know, a lot of the key things are things like Lemmy being on stage with us on multiple occasions. Sure. Those things really stick out. So that could Rick be... Nielsen from Cheap Trick. Then I can piggyback uh, <laughs> with a follow-up question from another fan, uh, Mr. Mac from Ireland. So with maybe Lemmy being on stage, were there any moments that made you stop and go this is really fucking happening. This is like, you know, I, I was a kid from Saskatchewan. This is like, this is my life right now. You've Pretty had several of those. Time, That's what to say. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. Alice Cooper, you know, like all those kind of things. But Lemmy was, Lemmy was the big one in many ways for me because I'm such a fan and not only just a fan of his music, but just a fan of him as a, as a man. Like he was just really like, when he walked into a room, you just like, they just, everything changed. They just kind of felt like, Lemmy's here, you know, <laughs> but, it, but, it, but not in a really, you know, all encompassing way. Cause he was a very unassuming man in reality. He could be very chill. He'd be backstage at something and there'd be like all this chaos going on. And Lemmy would be sitting in the corner reading a book. It was the weirdest thing. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, wow, that's Lemmy. Like he's like the life of the party, but he's like, 
he's just sort of like total like Duval in like Apocalypse Now, where everything's exploding and he's just totally unaffected by it, you know, because he's just seen it all. That's why he was Lemmy. Um, you know, that's why he was Lemmy. Yeah, mm. and then Alice, you know, Alice Cooper. I mean, that's a massive deal every time he's around, and and you know, we've we've it's you know when you're around slash you kind of you know you just forget that he just sort of rolls in these kind of worlds he was just on stage the other day i didn't go to the show but at the roxy he was you know playing with joe perry johnny depp you know it's ridiculous when they start talking about these names <laughs> i'm like it just sounds crazy to me mm. uh next question we got from uh, doug from milliwake uh he wants to know milliwake yes which is algonquin for the good land. Uh, what is one thing you could tell us about Slash or Miles that maybe people don't know about them? Uh, well, I always say when it, when it comes to Slash, I think people are really, you know, they, I don't know. I don't even think my perception of Slash was correct when I went into it. He's a very thoughtful, well-spoken guy. Um, you know, it doesn't mean he doesn't, like, you know, curse like a sailor and, and everything else like the rest of us do. Sure. But... He reads these big books and he's very, you know, intelligent and very soft-spoken in a way. You know what I mean? And I guess that's why the guitar does all the talking in a lot of ways. But uh, he's a very intelligent guy. He knows a lot about a lot of stuff. If you want to sit down and talk about World War II or dinosaurs or reptiles, he's just like horror movies. He just like knows a lot of stuff. Like he's not like this sort of rock and roll bonehead, you know, Jack Daniels, you know, like, you know, he's just a real intelligent man. Miles is a, he's a, it's, it's, he's, he's such a, a kind, soft spoken, wonderful guy. Like you just like, you want to just protect him. <laughs> <You know? laughs> he's like a baby bird. Even though, in you know, God knows he's, you know, such a powerful, uh, you know, powerfully talented man and has done a lot of things. The only thing I could ever think about with Miles Kennedy to tell anybody they don't know is that he he loves to look at, like, puppies online. <laughs> 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 like, it's some sort of, like, soothing uh, factor out. of... <laughs> yeah, just like some sort of soothing factor of, like, I'll just see, I'll catch him just looking at, like... <laughs> you know, just like watching like a live camera of like these puppies. I'm like, <laughs> that I'm like, that's a thing. I didn't know that was a thing. Uh, well, I do follow this. You know, it, I I prefer kittens because I'm allergic to dogs. Uh, but there's this one oh. Facebook group called uh, the Dodo, and I swear to God. If you're having a shit day, I mean, usually if you're on Facebook, everything is about Trump or people dying oh, or whatever. I, and I guess I, I, I watched this video the other day about this squirrel and it was like acting like a cat at home and I'm like this is the best thing ever or same thing with like an otter hanging out with like the family dog so right, I mean, these things right. make me so Miles it's okay if that's your you know rock star oh, yeah, pre you know, show honestly, ritual puppies I believe that he, that's exactly the effect is the kind of like oh god the dossier thing or something yes. you know, whatever, whatever thing's going on you just gotta sit down and look at some puppies and just, yeah you could do you know, the, your day you could be like Axel and just tweet simply fuck Nunez or you can look at puppies yeah. instead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it yeah exactly um oh it's too much uh, and then this uh, I do have to ask um are there any plants because I know Miles just. You know, he's he put out a new solo record, correct? Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, it's very. Um, I, he played a bunch of tracks for us, and it's next level good. It's very different, which I think is exciting because I think that it's you know, you know, to for a guy a solo artist to put out records that sound exactly like the projects that they're already doing seems kind of weird. This yeah, was a little bit more acoustic, a little bit more bluesy in a weird way. You know, it's like it's just really great. And uh, I mean, he's got that going on. We're always in constant contact, and we're always you know. A lot of it's scheduling and talking. Fitz is playing in Gene Simmons's band right now, and I've always got a thousand things going on. But uh, we're always in constant contact, and uh, it's just a matter of time before we get in the same room together. Guns N' Roses is finishing up uh, some shows in the summer, so who knows? I'm hoping sometime this year we'll, uh, you know, fall into uh, fall into each other's arms. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Love embrace. Yeah. So that includes, um, you know, after those GNR dates, you think you'll you'll work together uh, slash Miles Kennedy. You have maybe another conspirators. I don't know if a record or or shows. Do you, uh, or is it all up in the air as far as the future? Of- it's uh, I mean, nothing's really sort of nailed down. It's just kind of constantly like you know, you know, cats in the cradle. We'll get together then, son. You know we'll have a good time then. You know, at some point we we definitely intend to. Uh, okay to kind of reboot it's just sort of like you know everybody's got a lot on their plate and it's sort of like there'll be a time when it's like the right time to do it and then uh you know i i i i'm being straight up honest there's never been a conversation about the idea there's just no way we're gonna be able to do this anymore i 100 percent believe that this will uh reconvene at some point that's gonna make a lot of people happy including myself uh well i'm glad to hear that i mean to, for me it's like you know if i felt like we we did you know, we were just kind of like treading water and weren't really doing good work. You know what I mean? Like if I just thought it was just something that we just kind of did to kill time, like, eh, then we do these records and go on the road and wank off. It's like, no, it's, you'd be surprised to know how, like, you know, how seriously and how precious we were about the music we were making and, and about the, the, the band that we had built and developed. That includes Frank and that includes, you know, the entire lineup. It's, uh, you know, it's, we, we, we uh it means a lot to us and i mean that all you know all the way around speaking you know for the guys you know that's what i you know, i love about this gnr universe all these kind of i don't know spin-off sitcoms for lack of a better uh, right. analogy we're like the mork and mindy over here yeah nanu, nanu. it's still loved by the original fan base you know so people want to hear uh, more slash Miles Kennedy, more Todd Kearns, and again, w- same thing with me. And I was, in- I liked that first record where he you know, worked with a bunch of different lead singers, and maybe he'll do yeah. that again. But even on Apoc- Apocalyptic Love, and I was on a, um, a terrestrial station that actually, and I was the um, the assistant program director at the time, so I made sure I played that shit. I made sure I played You're a Lie and That's Anastasia great. and Apocalyptic, you know, the, the self titled oh, track, because awesome. those are great tunes and at that time you know it was that or chinese democracy which i loved equally so i don't want to choose there's all these other options out there in addition to guns and roses that i I still want to hear so i'm glad that you know i mean when it's like this i usually end the show i always end the show by uh the axel quote as far as when chinese democracy is going to come out he's like i don't know if soon is the word but you'll see it so that was still encouraging i don't think it'll be a chinese democracy kind of wait uh, with you guys, but um... well, I mean that's for me. It's always been a case of you know, uh, no matter what, you're going to have the diehards who just only want to hear Guns N' Roses or only want to hear like we deal with it in Alter Bridge now. You know, what I mean, 
uh, you know, like people who love Miles as Alter Bridge. Do they ask for Creed don't. songs? Is that, <laughs> is that what happens? <laughs> uh, I don't think they even ask for Creed songs at Alter Bridge. So oh, that's what I'm asking. Oh. They're not shouting, arms yeah. wide open. That's not happening? No. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've never experienced it. We've oh. had Mark on stage many times, too, actually. Okay. Mark Tremonti. But, sure, that's why I ask. Um, that's why I ask. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, it's you know... Uh, I really believe that we, you know, we're making good music and I think that we're doing good work. And I think that that's sort of, uh, at the end of the day, you know, it's like, you know, whether you're a diehard Guns N' Roses fan or a diehard Alter Bridge fan, I think that what we do is something somewhere in the middle of both of those bands. You know what I mean? Like it's something like we do something kind of, of its, of it, it's its own thing, you know, and, and Slash gets to really kind of, you know, do what he wants to do in a funny way. You know what I mean? Like it's, I think the Guns N' Roses thing is so gigantic. It's so, you know, there's so many more personalities. Duff is a huge, you know, uh, has a huge voice in that. Axel obviously is, is such a huge voice that I think that the compromise that goes on in, in a, in a, in a much larger band like that of all those sort of cooks in the kitchen. Um, there's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of uh, different things to serve there. I would be really excited. People keep saying to me, aren't you worried if Guns N' Roses does a new record? I go, dude, as a fan, I think it'd be fucking awesome. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just that guy. Like, I don't really lose a lot of sleep about like, oh, what's that going to mean for me? It's like, it ain't about me. I knew that going into playing with Slash in the first place. I go, this isn't about me. This is about a much, much bigger picture. You know, Guns N' Roses is is a history of rock and roll band. You know what I mean? Like, it's like when they got back together, it was like I was the one going, fuck yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, cool. that is, that's very exciting to me. Sure, it's like, it means I got to go and do other things, but that's not really, that's not really the point. You know what I mean? But you have your, your yeah. Vegas thing and your GED now to fall back on, thanks to your mom. Exactly. Yeah. So you're thanks good. To, thanks to the GED, I can, I can <laughs> Walmart, Walmart greet all day long. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, no, they, uh, you know, so to me, it's like, you know, we, we've been dealing with it with, with this band since the beginning, because Miles Kennedy was always a member of Alter Bridge. There was never kind of like, you know, uh, a de- defined break in that. It was like, no, Miles will always go back and do a run with Alter Bridge. So we always sort of took a break. And, and this one just has been an extended break, you know, sort of like, and to me, it's like, if it all ended tomorrow, and it was like, well, Guns N' Roses and, and Alter Bridge are going to be the focus, I wouldn't lose uh, a wink of sleep about it. It's kind of like, I want what's best for my friends. And I care so much about miles and slash that whatever they chose to do is, you know, is cool with me. You know, it's like, I, it's, I love making music with my friends, but at the end of the day, it's sort of like, you know, I know that there's more to life in a funny way. I, we've all kind of grown up and realized that, you know, maybe just, you know, making a bunch of rock and roll racket isn't necessarily, you know, the most important thing as far as like the legacy goes the, uh, you know, we've made two great records. I distinctly believe there will be a third and, and who knows from there, you know, if we, if we manage to get something together in 2018, like I said, that means eight years and slash and I both, you know, kind of meant, you know, offhandedly mentioned that that's longer than double revolver um, mm. was around. So it's, you know, it's a weird thing to consider that, but like I said, I mean, guys like me, Eric Dover, Rod Jackson, the list goes on and on and on. Gilby are all these people from a a giant uh, family tree called Guns N' Roses. Yeah, yeah. And we, you know, 
like Dizzy, like playing with Dizzy over over New Year's was weird to be on stage with him doing a lot of the same songs that I do with Slash. I wasn't playing with uh, Hookers and Blow. I, I was working the night they came to play. Um, they came to Queens here, and I was working that night. I really wanted to go. Oh, cool. Um, they're still doing it. They're still on tour, right? Because I see Don Jameson tweeting dates. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Chips Enough is playing bass right now. So. Yeah, he randomly went into my friend's vinyl shop in, in Massachusetts to pick up his own record. Hilarious. To buy his own That's vinyl. Hilarious. And my friend I love had it. it. <laughs> That's hilarious. Chip is the best. Um, I mean, Chip was in a, in a Adder's Appetite for a long time. Sure. And that, again, that's another but, um, thing that's a family tree, even though, yes, he's direct yeah. family, but just the, the offshoot, the Atlas Appetite family, and Alex Grassi and Chip's Enough now being part of that, this weird uh, family No, trust tree. me, like, you know, Jeff from Loaded, you know, Duff's Loaded, and mm-hmm. all those guys, those are Mike, those guys are all friends of mine, and we're all part of, like, uh, an extended family thing, but uh, the Hookers and Blow was a lot of fun. I mean, like, I've known Dizzy for years, too. He used to get up and jam with my old band uh, years ago. And uh, he's got a solo album coming out right away, and it's great. And, uh, yeah, you know, those guys are all glad to see everybody keep cranking along. All right, and so the most important thing, you. So what's uh, going on <laughs> with, with you right now? I know you, today you got the Gene Simmons thing, and you're always taking uh, directions you don't know where you're going. So I know you can only <laughs> an- answer this to a certain extent, but what are the immediate plans for Todd Damn It Kearns? The be- well, I am I doing... Love that name. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's been around for a long time. Yeah, we do. Uh, the next big focus is this uh, Kiss Indie in May. Um, uh, largely, I'm in the studio right now working on Took Two, which is that Canadian tribute band I was telling you about. And uh, Fitz and I are both most of our times in Los Angeles right now working on that. And then, um, oh yeah, I'm working on another solo album. So it never ends. It's, it sort of feels like you're never really working on just one thing. You're working on multiple things all the time. Fielding a bunch of other things that have, have sort of come up over the summer, like people are asking me to come play with them. And I'm like, well, if I can make it work, we'll see. But largely, it's just sort of like constantly working on this project, uh, the Canadian tribute thing, the solo thing, and then these Kulik Brother uh, shows as well. So that keeps me really more than busy, trust me. Any future dates with uh, our friends Paradise Kitty? No, no, I love those guys though. They're fantastic. Um, they played a Hookers and Blow show in Mimosa, Hermosa Beach in uh, California. Sure. Uh, we've had, I, had, I had Jenna on, and uh, you know, they were everyone that says the same thing about you that you're like one of the nicest people in rock, and that's <laughs> I, I feel the same way. I, there's nothing to the contrary uh, after this conversation, and I knew it right away. I'm like, oh, he's from Canada. That's why. Everyone's so nice yeah, there. Exactly. You, have a, you have a handsome prime minister. You know, everything. <laughs> <laughs> the yoga Pilates is prime minister, yeah. Yes, that we are all part of uh, people kind, not mankind. We're part of people kind. That's there. You go. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so, that's very Canadian. So we can keep track of you, of course, uh, at Todd Dammit Kearns on, uh, yeah, on Twitter, that's right? Yeah, on on Twitter, uh, Todd Kearns on Instagram. Toddkearns dot com is my website, and you can usually find me on Facebook. Although that's always a bit of a shit show, but <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah I, I'm I'm pretty uh, pretty visible on on the internet. I try to be uh, around. Yeah, you respond to a lot of listeners, and there were a lot of I would get people that would say, "Hey, no question," and just say, "Thank you for the music," which is just yeah, cool. that's 
that means the world to me. And is it weird for you at all? Because I would also see, because um, you're so humble, uh, fan Twitter page is dedicated to you. Uh, it's, it's not weird. I mean, it's it's it's. It's, it's one thing if you're Elvis, point. I guess. I mean, you know, believe me, you're Todd Kearns, I guess. You're, you know, you're you're kind of like the Elvis of Saskatchewan, but it's like <laughs> yeah. you're having fan sites just with hearts around, and, and you know, people love you, obviously. But it's not, is it weird to you? No, not really. I mean, it, it's I, I I think it's sort of you know you feel. I, you know, I, I never let that stuff get to my head. I'm always sort of like, Clearly. that's really awesome that people have connected to the uh, to the music and and to the to the entire uh, the entire thing because it's such a you know, music is like you know it's my life and it's I'm it's always exciting to meet meet somebody else whose life is all about music and that's largely what all those people connect to is a an, another music nerd like me. <clears throat> that, and that's what this podcast is just people connecting to each other uh, yeah, that's what I love uh, I love it Todd thank you I can't thank you enough uh, for your time I appreciate it no problem and if you ever want to put in a word and I said the same thing to London if Slash ever wants to talk about horror movies or dinosaurs I'm in <laughs> it, does, it doesn't have to be you know salacious conversation you know we can, we can, right, just, we, right. We can talk about you know blood and guts and stegosauruses and You'll never, I always say, any advice I have is, if you ever want to talk to him, you know, other than it would be very strange to just walk up and go, so the Tyrannosaurus, you know. If it, <laughs> that's me, if, though. I would do that. <laughs> <laughs> but if you ever want to get him going, that's actually, you know, I would do a little research beforehand about any sort of new dinosaur um you know. Discovery? News discovery, and if you just brought that up to him, he would be like, well, actually, you know, it's, like just, it, it's staggering. See, like we would go on, like we go on these like dinosaur these parks where they do like excavation work, and he will literally be schooling, not schooling them, but he's toe to toe with these guides. You know, like he would, I would just be like, damn, he knows everything about these freaking things. See, I would it's get, I would get a, a paleontologist co-host. And because I don't know what I'm there doing, you go. I'd be like, hey, I still watch Denver the Last <laughs> Dinosaur on YouTube and. You know, I, I, have my, I still do my dinosaur toys, but uh, no, that's that's awesome. Sure. So if you want, if you want to yeah. pass along that message, I don't, I don't, I don't believe you will. I definitely will. Okay, uh, well, Todd, thank you so much. Good luck at the Gene Simmons event today, and you know whether you. you're touring solo, whether it's with uh, Miles, whatever it is. I hope uh, one day to uh, to meet you when you're playing a date in, in the city, of Long Island, uh, and because it, it would be a pleasure. Because um, I've again, I've heard nothing but good things, so it would be. Pleasure. Uh, Shake your awesome. hand in real life as opposed to over the radio. Well, if I'm ever in the neighborhood, definitely drop me a line. I will. appreciate it. Thank you so much, Todd. Bye-bye. What a cool dude. I mean, just like, what a cool dude. I mean, everybody was right when I announced that I was going to interview Todd today. He's what a, such a nice guy. Such a nice guy. And you're right. You're absolutely right. So, uh, And it is cool that we got to know that we in the future we could get New slash Miles Kennedy and the conspirators. It's it's not dead. It's just a matter of when. So we have another Chinese democracy kind of thing to pay attention to. But still, that is a uh, positive news. Uh, I do want to mention something before uh, this episode ends, and I didn't want to bring it up with Todd on the air because it is, I don't know, it's, it's a heavy thing, but it's important to me, and I know it's important to uh, many of you out there. Uh, one of the Facebook groups, uh, Guns N' Roses Facebook groups that I'm in, uh, GNR fan spot, not in this lifetime. I th- think that's what it's it's called. Uh, thousands of thousands of followers, and I see 
this one person make a post uh, that says, I mean, I, I got to be blunt about it. I, I, I'm going to end my life tonight. Thank you, Axel, for the great music. And for me, uh, I know there are a lot of people who, you know, we've gotten a lot of new listeners, um, crazy people who have listened to every single episode. Some haven't, so I don't want to take it uh, for granted that if you do or don't know. But in the episode with Dave Kushner, I had mentioned uh, I lost my dad uh, the same way I lost Chris Cornell, or we lost Chris Cornell, same way we lost uh, Chester Bennington. So I lost my dad maybe a year before uh, Robin Williams, you know, same shit. And you, and this was, I brought it up with Dave Kushner because this was right after uh, Chris had passed, Chris Cornell had passed, and of all the GNR ties, and they, of course now they play Black Hole Sun uh, live. And I mean, not like I needed a real segue to force it in, but yes, like at the, at the end of the day, it is a you know GNR based uh, podcast. So uh, I saw this message, as did many of you who I know listened to this episode, and I didn't know what to do, uh, even though with me in my life dealing with suicide in a lot of different areas, uh, not just with my dad, but myself, friends. Uh, but I kind of just watched unfold all of you comment. You know, I love you. Please don't do this. You know, things that you say. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's one thing to comment. But I would see other comments of, hey, I contacted this person's friend's family, you know, going into their Facebook and, you know, private DMing them and, hey, I spoke to this person's sister and, and you know, the guy, the guy's okay from what I understand. You know, he's, he thanked everybody for reaching out and seeing all the comments say, hey, uh, you know, we Gunners stick together, you know, we got, you stay alive for the new Guns N' Roses record. So, uh, of course, you know, tongue in cheek, but at, sometimes at your lowest, you need those kind of awkward laughs. So uh, I bring that up for one, kudos to my fellow Gunners. I mean, that was just, Amazing to see in a uh, Guns N' Roses uh, fan spot or Guns N' Roses uh, group because it's a it's a very serious issue now, and uh, I also will tie this in with Chris Cornell uh, because Vicky, uh, his widow, uh, I follow her on Twitter, and she messaged uh, she tweeted out. I mean, you hear? I mean, I don't know how much you read some of the articles. People like. It's a conspiracy and all this. You know, the worst things are worse about with Chester Bennington. You know, with things with money and people shitting on Lincoln Park. Like, if you're not a fan, who gives a shit? I mean, your kids will read. Their kids will read these things. You know, all these asshole commenters and blabbermouth and you know who have nothing nice to say just because you weren't a fan of a band. Go fuck yourself. Anyway, uh, obviously, I'm. Uh, you know, this is an emotional part of it. Uh, so Vicky goes, um, Vicky Cornell. Uh, this was yesterday uh, as I'm recording this. Uh, to all those that love my husband, my children and me, uh, who have given so much love and support through his uh, through this horrible time, uh, who are appalled at all that uh, excuse me, who are appalled at what's been out there about me and my children, please take comfort knowing that they do not hide behind their screens. So it's just disgusting that she has to deal with this publicly. You know, I know what I've had to deal with privately and, you know, anyone in your life, whether it's, you know, like Vicky, your husband, uh, you know, for me, my father, uh, you know, it could be friend, cousin. This is a horrible thing for someone to go through and they have to deal with it publicly. I can't even imagine, especially for their children who can't process this shit yet. So, you know, for me, I try to do my due diligence now 
Yes, some of it's cathartic for my own purposes, but if you can help one person, you never know. Just like how all you gunners help that one person, that that makes it all worth it. Uh, so I responded uh, to Vicky Cornell. For your family to have all of this out in the open only adds to a family's grieving process. It's unfair to you, your family, especially Chris. Take solace in your voice helping me and countless others. That's what matters. Hashtag keep the promise. That's her hashtag about Chris. So um, I was. it made me feel good that she responded. See, it's these little connections. Uh, she wrote, uh, thank you for uh, not only your support, uh, supportive kind words, but for your understanding. Helps to keep me going too. Hashtag keep the promise. And that's gotten a lot of you know retweets and likes since then. So through this terrible thing, I had a mini connection, Twitter connection with, you know, uh, Vicky uh, Cornell. So that's what this podcast is, you know, or what these fan sites are, these Guns N' Roses fan sites, whether it's Facebook, whether it's my GNR forum, it's the connections that we have. And that's why I do these interviews. You know, it's more, yeah, I want to hear cool stories about rock and roll, but find out about the people. Because at the end of the day, we're all going to fucking die. So try not to die on purpose. and know it's very hard. Uh, mental health is a big issue. It's why I loved Guns N' Roses, why I got into it. You know, before I was really aware of my depression, why I identified with Axel's anger issues. You know, I was like, yeah, I'm going to get off the stage and punch somebody in the face. I'm so angry. But there's always, there's always help. There's absolutely always help. So uh, it made me feel um, better to be a Guns N' Roses fan, to see you guys all act out in support of somebody in need. That was awesome. So uh, if you are ever in need and you have a story to tell, I'm here for you as well. Uh, and I will mention, just like I did the, uh, we had the, our first spotlight episode with Sir Kevin, and uh, Sir Kevin from Ireland, who had a tough upbringing, and of course involved, you know, him hiding under his bed, uh, listening to Appetite while listening, you know, his fucking spouse, you know, his mom, dad's beating his mom. I don't like talking about it when it's, I'm not the person saying it. So go back and listen to uh, Kevin's episode if you would like to hear about his uh, story, which I, has a happy ending. He's, you know, he's he's working. He's uh, he's working on his life, as we all are. So if you have a story uh, that you want to get out there, no matter how depressing it may be, I will do my best to, you know, make it stupid and, and uh, you know, make it palatable and not make it too uh, depressing of an episode. Stupid idiot! See, I just have a... Uh, Sound buttons that'll that'll make it easier for all of us. So I do wanted to get I did want to get that out there on this uh, episode because it's my first time uh, recording since I did see that fallout. I guess for a lack of a better word on on Facebook. Uh, again, I'm very proud of you. Those who did react and uh, saved that man. That's what you did uh, all through Guns N' Roses. So that's that's pretty fucking awesome. Guns so Guns N' Roses in a way saves a lot of us. So uh, we all help out when we need to. So, what do I need? I feel like I need uh, <laughs> some after-school special music. Uh, anyway, this has been episode forty-six of the AFD show. Again, thank you so much to Todd Kearns. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be next episode, but uh, again, I had a nice email conversation with a uh, Roberta Freeman, of course, on uh, one of the uh, the touring backup vocalists uh, on the User Illusion uh, tour. Uh, Tracy and Roberta. They were giving a shout out on uh, knocking on Heaven's Door on the live era CD. So should be speaking with her in, uh, you know, a week or so. She was just at NAM. want to talk to her about that. Um, the future guests, well, we're always going to find out. Every, it's week to week. I, I 
If you asked me two weeks ago, would I be interviewing Todd Kearns? I would have said no. A week ago, I would have said yes, because I knew then. Uh, so pay attention. Follow us. Follow us on iTunes, SoundCloud, uh, iHeart, Spreaker. Follow, subscribe, and leave a review. More people know about us. The more guests I'm going to get, and this, the more content for all of us, and more Guns N' Roses good times. That was a, a dumb thing to say. You just made the list! Uh, sorry, Jericho. So that concludes episode 46. As far as the next episode of the AFD show, when will you see it? Well, in the words of Axel Rhodes concerning Chinese democracy, I don't know if soon is the word, but you'll see it. Stupid idiot! You've been listening to the distorted minds of Appetite for Distortion. Follow the guys on Twitter at The AFD Show and on Facebook at facebook.com slash The AFD Show. security, I'm going home.